action of the Holy Spirit in this place, in our hearts, our minds, our souls, every uh, place that we need help today, Father, and we need refreshing, we need edification and strengthening. You are working in those places in us today. So we thank you, Lord, for the working of your precious Holy Spirit. We open ourselves to hear what you have to say to us today, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. So uh, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the fact that God works in the nick of time. Amen. He works in the nick of time. (laughs) Amen. I guess we all know that, eh? Most of us have had some, some experience with that. But you need to understand that God knows and sees everything. Uh, he has a plan to rescue the righteous. Uh, he knows what we need. And he's always timely in our rescue. And I don't know where you come from, but I always thought that we wouldn't have any problems anymore now that we're saved and uh, things would go easy and all of that. And then when you uh, run into difficulty, we seem, team, uh, tend to get confused and not know what to make of it and don't want to think it's our doing. And then we want to blame ourselves totally for everything. And uh, so it's it can be a confusing place. And so God knows uh, where you're at. He's ordained that his word would come to pass in your life. And so that's what he's interested in. He's interested in keeping his word, keeping his promise to us, and making sure that we know that he is a faithful God. In uh, Psalms 37:23, something you're all familiar with, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Then David says, I have been young and now I'm old, and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Amen. So that is a promise from God. That is a definite promise of the Lord. There are several things working in this scripture. Number one, you need to know that your steps are ordered by God. You know, the devil doesn't have as much authority with us as we think sometimes. We're talking about righteous people now. We're not talking about people that got saved and then haven't done anything for God since the day they ran up and joined the church. Amen. Joined the church. We're talking about people who have a covenant relationship with God where they walk in his righteousness continually. Amen. Those people may stumble, but they're never utterly cast down. It's never over. You're never out for the count. You got me? Uh, Even though you might get a ten count or an eight count, God will pull you back up again. Amen? He says that he upholds you. Though you, you fall, you are never utterly cast down. So you're never cast down far enough not to get back up again. Amen? Because God upholds you with the right hand of his righteousness. So once God is able to pull you back up, you're back in the race again. Amen? Don't go around telling everybody about it, feeling guilty and fretting and all that kind of stuff. Just get up and keep moving. Amen? Because that's what God, that's what the blood was shed for. For you to get up, cleanse your, God cleanse you, and you keep moving again. He didn't, he didn't want you to fall and stay down. Amen? If only, if only saints would understand that. You know, I think sometimes we live in a very low level 
of existence simply because of guilt, fear, condemnation, uh, where we, we're uh, not really dependent on God. We're looking for ourselves to make the way for us. But God says our steps are ordered of him. Amen. There will be things that will tempt us and try us along the way. Now, God's ordering to you to walk in righteousness at all times. But there's the enemy over there tempting you to come over his way. Do something his way. Let, you know, give me a little attention here. But God says that our steps are ordered of the Lord. So when we need help, we have it. Don't ever doubt that. Whenever, I don't care what you need help for. When you need help, you have it, man. God has to send us help because, number one, he promised. He says, my word is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. Amen. And so he has to come and rescue us. He knows how to deliver the righteousness out of every single, the righteous out of every single trial. So there's a lot at stake. There's always a personal but also a kingdom aspect to everything that we do. So there are personal aspects and kingdom. Now when you're in trouble, the last thing you think about is God's kingdom. You're thinking about you. What is going to do for me? How is it going to look for me? When am I going to get mine? When is it going to be my day, Lord? When is that? You know, I found that people who think that way always think that way. You got me? They seldom think kingdom. They really, seriously, they seldom think, you know what, God, maybe I'm here because it's good for me to be here for a while and not have everything instantly like I want to have it. Maybe I do need a little more character developed in me, Lord. I mean, these are honest ways to deal with situations. We look throughout the Bible. We see all the great ones had their share of difficulty that was ordained of God. And when they came through the difficulty, the Bible says they were tried, but they came out as gold. Nobody wants the gold unless it's a material gold. You don't want to be the golden person because you know that you've been tried, tried, tried in the fire, fire, fire. (laughs) But we're going to get it anyway. Why? Because the Bible says we're called, we're preordained to conform to the image of Christ. Let this mind be in you. That was also in him. He didn't think it was robbery to be called equal to God, but he humbled himself. Amen. Laid everything down for the purpose of the Father and for the kingdom. Satan works overtime to entrap us and force us to use our own strength to get through every trial that's put before us. Now. Are you going to try your own might against this thing? Or are you going to endure like Jesus did and wait for your deliverance? Amen. If you do that, you'll come through with everything that God wants for you to come through. If you try to deliver yourself, you're going to smell like smoke. Huh? You'd be smoking, but not in a good way. Huh? It's true. You come out and you never get tired of talking about it. You're always telling people how hard life is and what the devil tried to do to you and all this kind of stuff. But when you're tried and you come out as pure gold, you just glorify God. You just look like Jesus. You act like him. You talk like him. Amen. And you go on to the next challenge. 
God works even harder to get us to go his way when the enemy comes against us. He provides a way of escape. And he also provides wisdom to know the way. Amen. You don't go through this blindly. You can say when you come through a a trial or a test in God, you're a whole lot smarter now than you were when you went into it. Amen. (laughs) Our own strength will either fail right away or it will plant seeds of weakness in our lives that the enemy can cause to grow by constant testing and prodding of those weak areas. If you if you know that you're you're too sensitive, people know when they are. You know, they don't want to talk about certain things. They snap and bite at you if you say something to them the wrong way. That's that's not love. That's that's what's called being touchy. Amen. It's the Bible says love is not touchy. Amen. Well, if you don't let God deal with that and seek your deliverance from God, this is, I'm being touchy. You say love is not that way. Father, I want to be delivered from this touchy thing. I'm giving it to you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to stand strong in you. I'm going to be powerful in you. Help me, Lord, to endure what I need to endure so that I can come out as pure gold. That's the way you handle weakness. You know, Ken Copeland says that he found, and and this is a personal revelation that I think we need to get from God. If you need it, God will give it to you. But he found that things that were challenging for him, he saw the revelation in communion that he he could sit down and have communion and talk to the Lord about this thing. And he said, I would put my weakness over there to Jesus and he would push his strength over on my side of the table. And I began to partake of his strength. He said, and I took it by faith. If I didn't see the strength right away, I looked for it continually because I knew it was done. Well, this is the same thing we have to do in areas of weakness. Don't try to protect them because the devil will use that continually to prod you and pick at you. You need to acknowledge that before God. Don't try to be the great cover-up person because you can't cover it. Holy Spirit sees it. Amen. And He, the Holy Spirit will orchestrate situations to keep it at the surface where it can be dealt with and not let it get buried. But if we try to bury these things, the enemy will continue to feed them through our own carnality. He'll feed those things. For instance, people who have a poverty mindset are always wishing for something. I didn't say praying for it. I said wishing for it. You know how you can tell? Because they say it. I wish I had so and so. I'd be glad when I get. Mm. There's poverty talking. You're already wealthy. Your daddy owns everything. All you got to do is talk to him about it and he'll get it to you. Start developing your faith for these things instead of wishing, hoping, and being glad when. You're going to mess around and get too glad when you get a little something and wind up spending it on something you got no business spending it on. Last I read, my Bible to covet is a sin. 
That's different from desire. Oh, my goodness. See, you can read your Bible and look at the promises of God and desire grows in your heart for the rich life that God has planned for you. Not just the material things, but Jesus. Because every time you read a promise, he speaks to you and you desire more of him. You don't, you don't get a desire for something material from the Bible without getting relationship with Christ packaged up with it. God won't let that happen to you. But if you're constantly watching what your neighbor has and then trying to see what they got and how great theirs is and what it costs and look at, listen to nonsense all the time, that's coveting. When you have a desire, you desire things that are laid up for you. When you covet, you borrowing off your neighbors looking at what they got and trying to get it in your house. I'm going to talk to the rug. You know what, rug? <laughs> See, we think it's the same thing. You think anything that you want is okay with God. <laughs> Don't you know the things for you are already foreordained? You can't get no more out of this deal than what God's willing to give you already? Huh? So just slow your little roll and sober up. What he provides for you should be good enough and even and more so when you think about it he says he does exceeding abundantly beyond all you can ask a thing in other words he said you know what you asking for that but baby i'm gonna blow your mind you don't have a clue what i have stored up for you huh so we can't outdo god in these things we have to understand that he provides everything for us and it will not fail God also provides a way of escape when we're in trouble and wisdom to know the way. Trouble comes to all of us. Jesus said it in this world. You will have tribulation or trouble. But he said, cheer up. Because he knew when we read that scripture, everybody's going to go into shock. That's him talking to us. He said, I've already overcome the world. What you worried about? I've done that already. So our own strength will either fail right away or plant seeds of weakness in our our lives. This is why we have to learn to endure. If you learn how to endure, it takes away the weakness that is obvious and supplants it with strength. The devil will feed our weaknesses by speaking of it often in our own heads. Huh? You ever had that happen to you? You just can't shake that thought? That's not all you. You understand what I'm saying? Because you can fight that by casting that down. But you don't just start it up on your own. Uh, The enemy starts to speak doubt to us. Doubt speaks to us of our weaknesses. So the enemy tries to plant seeds of weakness in our lives and cause them to grow by constant testing and prodding. And he feeds our weakness by speaking of it often in our heads. Not our hearts, but our heads. Weakness is a space that he can rent in your head. It's a space that he can rent in your head. If you renounce that and receive God's strength, 
then he don't he can't rent nothing. There's no it says a vacant, no vacancy. <laughs> All filled up, filled up with the word. He wants to cause us to a fail eventually unless we first offer that weakness to the Lord. Amen. All weakness has to be acknowledged and offered up to God. Uh, please don't be one of these Christians that never does anything wrong. Never makes a mistake. Never. You understand what I'm saying? Please don't be that because that's not even biblical. Amen. So God wants us to be delivered of all difficulty and he'll do it right in the nick of time. If you'll turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25. Amen. In this story you see where Samuel has died and all Israel is is lamenting him and he is being buried. And so after this happens there is a, a kind of a, a missing element throughout the nation of Israel. Samuel was who was keeping everything together because Saul was their king, was disobedient to God, and he was leading the people in the wrong way. Uh, he was going after everything that he wanted for himself and was not being mindful of God's laws. Uh, one of the last messages Samuel gave to Saul was that God had rejected him from being king. Now Saul knows that God is raising up somebody else in his place, and he pretty much knows who that somebody else is, and that is David. Saul has privately anointed David king. Saul then has taken to pursuing David to kill him and take his life. David, because he honors God and he honors God's way, now here we see Personal versus kingdom. You got me? It's always going to be that. You've got to look at personal versus kingdom things. When God tells you to stay in a marriage that seems to be troubled, he's looking at your life and he's also looking at kingdom. Amen? Looking at your kids and the difficulty they'll be spared if you'll trust God to work through problems. How are your kids going to learn how to stay married, not have problems if they don't see an example? Right? That's your job. That's your job, is to tough it out, pray it through, because God has a place of repentance for everybody and a place to straighten things out. But many times we take our own way and use our own strength out of things because we tell ourselves we can't take it no more. Hmm? If I couldn't have taken it anymore and left my husband because he wasn't the type of husband a saved woman I'm all saved and condemning somebody who don't even know God. Huh? I remember one day a cousin of my husband's, late husband's, after he passed away, uh, spoke to me. In fact, I had talked to her off and on throughout her Christian walk and mine as well. And uh, she, she was saying to me, she said, you know what? She said, I look at our family, and she was married into my husband's family. She said, I look at my family. She said, and I was thinking, I said, God, I thank God for I don't know how they got together, but I thank God for that. She said, because I don't know of anybody in our family who prays for anybody. She said, I don't know how Butch would have got saved if he hadn't been married to you. 
You understand me? See, you understand things after the fact. We can't take a lot of understanding and obedience at the same time. I'm going to say it again. If God were to try to explain everything that he's having you do and why you're doing it while he's trying to get you to do it, you'd be arguing him and talking him out of it. You wouldn't even, you have to do things by faith. You can't do everything by understanding. You understand me? And so when I see that, I see God wants us to understand there is a kingdom purpose. There's more at stake than just your comfort, your feelings, what you want to do. What you think you've been deprived of, you understand me? When you think about eternity, this little light suffering, as Paul put it, and if he could call his suffering light, ours is much lighter. That brother got slapped in jail and beat up every city he went into. You know how preachers nowadays, when somebody calls them to go preach for them, they get excited. Ooh, I want first-class plane tickets, and I want wall-to-wall running uh, uh, room service. I want a five-star hotel for five days by entourage and sign a covenant agreement with me for $1,000 a day and all this, because I'm important. When Paul got called, invited somewhere, it was, oh, Lord. Please build up more scar tissue so it don't hurt so bad this time. An apostle who demands all of that is a pimp. He ain't an apostle. He don't work for God. Trying to do big pimping in God's house. That's all that he is. He don't care if your kids do starve. He wants that money. Just put in that offer whether you eat or not. You got me? Let me see. Where was I? Oh, yes. Okay. (laughs) So here we have a situation where there is internal conflict in God's kingdom. Why is that so? We want to believe everything's hunky-dory, everybody's peaceful. But there's always internal conflict in God's kingdom. Somebody always wants to be bigger than where they are now. And somebody else is always afraid they're going to get small. Got me? So therein is the conflict. And God has enough room for everybody's greatness. Amen? He has room for your greatness, my greatness, all of our greatnesses. Got room for all of that. (laughs) You know, sometimes you don't feel so great. You're just trying to pay some bills and survive. Yeah, they're great. Are you kidding me? Great? Great can come if he wants to, but right now I got bills to pay, man. (laughs) So two things are going on in this internal conflict. Number one, Saul is on his way out. And number two... David is God's choice and needs to be prepared for his office. He's not on the way in yet. There's much preparation for David uh, to take place in his life. This will come through the ordered steps of God. God is ordering every step that David takes. 
David's character must be developed beyond where it is now. And he was the toughest boy in Israel. You understand what I'm saying? He had it going on. But even though you may have it going on, there's still more that can be developed. I don't care how old you get in God, how wise you get in God, how many gifts of the Spirit you operate in. We're all being conformed to the image of Christ. Paul put his finger on it. People don't like to read this thing in the Bible. But he says, lest I be exalted among measure because of the revelations I received. We want revelation from God without paying the price for it. You're going to have to walk in humility to carry this stuff. You just can't be you and be in the flesh and all that kind of nonsense. You've got to walk in, in God's purpose. And God knows how to get you over into his purpose. Trust me. <laughs> so at this point, David cannot go home to Israel. He is actually living in the land of the Philistines. One of the princes of the, king, of the Philistine tribe gave David a portion of land called Ziklag where he could hang out. But David lives by looting. He'll go in and, and he and his men murder every human being there and take all the spoil, all the stuff. This is how life was back at that time. You got me? David has, and people say, well, God didn't tell him to do all that. I don't know, but if he was going to live, he had to do something. You got me? They didn't have like a, a internet business that you could start up and get all your friends and sell stock in it and all this kind of stuff and set up a, or like the brothers used to do, get them a head shop. Remember them back in the 60s? Everybody wanted to sell uh, marijuana paraphernalia. And you couldn't do that. Amen. The way you did it was a way of survival. And, and they survived through warfare and bloodshed. And taking the spoils of war. That, that was the way it was done. And so David is, is still running from Saul. He's had one or two encounters where he could have killed Saul. But God convicted him not to do that. So David says, I will not do harm to the Lord's anointed. As long as this man is the anointed of God, I will not touch him. God's going to deal with him. I'm going to let God deal with him. So David's pretty straight on that. Amen. He knows that he'll get in big trouble by dis, dishonoring the anointed of God and laying hands on him and, and causing him hurt, harm, or injury. So he, he disciplines himself and he keeps running. That's why he's running instead of standing still and fighting. Some things you run from, some things you fight. If the devil is after you, you take authority over him. You don't have to run from him. Amen. You stand and fight some things. But then there are some conflicts. If there's conflict between you and another human being, you can't just punch people out. You have to learn how to forgive them and then go to them in meekness and see if you can't work something out. Uh, see, we all had to learn that. I thought you could just go give people a piece of your mind, tell them off because they did you wrong. When you're a believer, you can't do that. Amen. You... You know, you wait until you're not so angry, but make sure you forgive in your heart. Because if you don't, it shows. Amen? Sometimes people can't quit talking about certain things because they've never forgiven people of these things. You've got to put these things away. Amen? 
So David is learning that. He is learning how to forgive and how to walk in meekness to God and how to walk in love and obey God's commands even under difficult circumstances. Just because you're offended does not give you license to drop God's laws and not obey God's laws. That's not why that law is there. A law is there to protect you from you. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? We all want to be vindicated. We all want to be right. We all want our respect, you know. Uh, If we're not careful, we'll be like gang people. Shoot somebody because they disrespect us. Got me? Don't want to help them. Don't want to, you know, pray for them. Don't want to see good happen to them just because we got something against them. You understand what I'm saying? That's what gangs do. We're not a gang. We're the kingdom of God. We got enough love to cover everybody's faults, including your own. When you do wrong, what do you want? You want mercy and you want forgiveness. So you got to give that to get that. That's how this thing works. So David is involved in survival. He is very desperate, to be honest with you. He's in in survival mode. And he's uh, running from Ziklag from one town to the other. And these towns, they're raiding these towns and, and fighting warfare against the people in them so that they can survive. And so in 1 Samuel 25, uh, <clears throat> uh, let me see, it talks about the, the David and his men rose up and went to the wilderness. Uh, this is where they hang out all the time. And so instead of raiding and killing, David decides to show kindness to somebody. Oh, my. Is this a new turn in David's life? Huh? But I think it is. I think it is God's way of showing him that he doesn't have to fight and kill everything. He can use some wisdom and try to win some people over and get some things done a little bit different way. You understand what I'm saying? And so David and his men are out, and they run across uh, some sheep shearers. The sheep belong to a man by the name of Nabal. He lives in Carmel. And so he's, uh, he's got thousands of sheep. So this is a man who's very wealthy, very well-to-do. So David and his men kind of feel sorry for these shearers who are out there without protection. So they guard over them. So that they are not harmed by raiders, they're not harmed by predators, either natural or, or, you know, different animals would come and steal from the flock. So David and his men guarded them for days until the time they were shearing sheep. And so they were at work taking the wool off these sheep and doing that level of work with no protection around them. And so David and his men see this and David orders his men to protect the men that belong to Nabal. Now, they said Nabal uh, had a wife named Abigail. She was a a woman of good understanding, beautiful. But he was evil. Uh, Nabal was evil, and he was uh, just no good. You know, he just had a bad reputation. Uh, He's the kind of person you don't spend a lot of time around because they rub you the wrong way and, and say the wrong thing and just have evil in their hearts all the time. So when David heard that Nabal's sheep were being sheared, he sent ten young men and told the young men to go there 
and greet Nabal in my name and say to him, Peace be unto you and peace to all that you have in your house. And so David instructs his young men to ask Nabal, uh, tell them what they, you know, how they protected him and what they've done for them. And this was customary. If you offered peace, you could expect that person to offer peace back to you and to prosper you if they were in a position to prosper you. That's just how it went. And so David offers the hand of peace to Nabal, and Nabal sends back an insult. He says, oh, who is this David? I don't know nothing about him. He ain't nothing but a runaway slave and all this. You know, he's heard some things about David. How many of you know that to the people who are pure, all things are pure, but if you've got evil inside, you think everybody's evil. You think bad about people because that's what you carry around. And so Nabal doesn't have anything good to say about David or these young men. He refuses to give them provision, and they certainly could have taken it. They were in a position all this time to have taken what they wanted from Nabal's young men and killed all of them. But they decided to go the way of peace for a change. How many of you know that when you take a different direction toward the good, the enemy stands at that door and tries to deter you from thinking good, doing good, carrying through with it. You decide you're not going to be offended. You're going to forgive somebody and love them. And then they start treating you bad over and over. and You just can't get next to them no kind of way. You understand what I'm saying? So the enemy sets us up in these areas, and God allows it. Why? Anybody can do good one time. And anybody can do good to people who reciprocate and treat them good in return. But how many of us can continue to do good when it's a new thing that we're doing and have confidence in it and turn that corner for good? See, David refused to harm Saul because Saul was God's anointed. But Nabal isn't. See, if you're going to be a king and rule over people, you can't be a respecter of persons. If if I as a pastor decide I'm going to bless somebody in the congregation, I better better look for the money to bless everybody. Because the one person who gets something, everybody's going to know about it, and they're going to say, oh, she like her better than she like me. And I just might. I got a right to like who I want to like. Now, I got to love all of y'all. Huh? But some people's pricklier than others. You get tired of getting stuck by porcupines. I got it, baby. Thank you. You get tired of getting stuck by porcupines all the time. (laughs) You say hi to somebody, they look at you real suspicious, trying to figure out what you mean by saying hi. It gets tiring after a while. (laughs) But I do my best to make sure I bless everybody. You got me? You have to do that as a leader. And if I I forget somebody, the Lord can remind me or I'll get around to it at some point. But I will manage to bless everybody. Amen? I don't leave anybody out, at least not intentionally. So this is is not something that, that leaders, it's poor leadership 
when you have obvious likes and dislikes and you tend to coddle some people because they're close to you and you know people who are close to me get it worse than anybody this is true <laughs> you know we got a standard to uphold here you know that ain't gonna work we can't get soft and fuzzy and obey god at the same time so david gets a turn down from nabal because he nabal just don't have good sense some people just don't have good sense. Understand? You just can. You have to distance them. You know, love them, be kind to them, but you can't embrace them. If you know what I mean. So, the friendship offer from David is soundly refused by Nabal. David is insulted, and this is the plot of the enemy to get you into offense. When you decide you're going to turn the corner and embrace humility and embrace uh, esteeming a, a stranger higher than yourself. You're going to quit looting and killing for a living. You're going to start to extend the covenant of friendship uh, with, that God has placed in your heart to do. So his, David's friendship is refused. David is insulted. And to make uh, the enemy does this to make us angry and frustrated. And if we stay in our pride, we may decide we want to defend ourselves and not maintain righteousness. So if God has ordered your steps to this place, you don't have to quit being a Christian in order to survive the test. You got me? Nobody's going to kill you. Nobody's going to take everything you've got. There's nothing that that you have that the devil can strip from you. But the devil knows that if he pushes you hard enough, you could walk away and leave it all on the table because you want revenge and you want to keep your pride and you want to be somebody. You got me? So David gets refused in front of all of his men who know him as a man of might and know him as a man of power. And know him as a man who can get things done. So they're accustomed to going and killing everybody. So they're looking at David after they tell him this and they're waiting for what he's going to say. Huh? So if David is going to pass this test, he's going to have to be delivered in the nick of time. Because time is running out. You got me? And so the enemy knows that. The enemy would get you in a hurry for, uh, for being exalted, being known, being recognized, being respected, whatever it is that, that butters your bread. He will get you in a hurry for it instead of you going and, and measuring your words and measuring your steps and making sure that you stay in touch with God at all times. Amen. So here we see David's test to see if he is a respecter of persons. That's what this is all about. He refuses to kill Saul because Saul is the Lord's anointed. But does he feel the same way about a no good man who insults him? And is it all this stuff that he can just take from him, take everything he's got, and he has the power to do it, and he has the feelings to do it. So we have to make sure that we feel the same way about people of high rank as we do people of lower rank. You got me? So this is his test. You know, we we stay at a a hotel which people complain about. It's reasonable. Thank you, Ms. Nola. 
it's reasonable and we can all stay there we don't stress we don't owe the best thing is we don't owe the ministry money after it's over you know we can go there legal and we have to cook for about 40 to 60 we always count heads and when we go get everybody there it starts out at 40 but at the end of the day there's 60 people out there i still don't know how that happens so we have to go somewhere we can cook for all these people you got to have people who are willing to cook and and handle food and all that kind of stuff it's a big job and that hotel has got to be a test for almost everybody now if you didn't realize that that's your test are you here for the ambiance or are you here to get the word from god are you here to work for god huh because ambiance you get that on your own dime ambiance ambiance costs 140 dollars a night huh y'all know it's the truth you either say, say amen or crawl under the chair because <laughs> it ain't getting no easier you got me huh had a minister i thought a lot about the woman she came and didn't want to stay there i told her i said i've come to release you from your obligation to preach for us and i wasn't playing I said, you know what, sis? I said, I'm a little Hebrew in the way I look at things like this. I said, you refuse my hospitality, you refuse me. I forgive you and all that, but if we're going to start off rocky like this, we can say bye-bye now. I put up with crap from preachers for many years to preserve relationships that really weren't there there was no relationship now if there's relationship and i want to preserve it i may go the extra mile but you knew bye-bye i learned how to cut my losses while they were small before they got big and we made up you know i listened to her and i told her i said well we'll go ahead and have you preach but this is the first and last time. You understand what I'm saying? I'm serious about that. I'm not putting up with that stuff. Because when people approach you and they don't know you with attitude, you need to stop it before it gets worse. Yeah, it's real quiet in here now. Now, you don't live rich off the people of God's dime. Now, we ain't going to start that. You know why? Because I look at women in this ministry who work hard here. They're single. They're bus drivers. They're trying to take care of a family. You think I'm going to rape them and take their money and give it to you, and you just want to live high? you got another thought coming. It's not going to happen here. Everybody works hard for their money. I wouldn't do that to faithful people. Are you kidding me? I wouldn't take it from people if they were rich. It's just wrong to do it. I'm not going to start that nonsense here. Praise the Lord. Where was I? (laughs) So we're in verse 13. David said to his men, gird on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. David also girded on his sword. So they saddling up. Huh? (laughs) 
as everybody pick out, pull out your permit to carry. Huh? <laughs> your concealed carry permit. <laughs> there went up after David about how many? Ouch! See, people, weak people who are always trying to spout off never know the size of the enemy that they're up against. Now, what is this crazy man going to do? He don't have sense enough to guard his own property and his own servants. And he doesn't realize David sent one young man to him asking for provision to pay them for taking care of them because they're out in the wilderness. They don't have a store they can go to and buy anything. You do that for anybody. Sometimes it's good to hold your peace because you don't know the strength of the person that you're mouthing off in front of. I'm going to say it again. You never know who you're talking to or whom you're talking to. You got me? So David, okay, says, ah, okay, well... I'm really ticked off, y'all. Everybody put your sword on. Let's get get to getting. He had 400 men that went with him and 200 left behind. So that's 600 men, this nutty man out there in the wilderness telling people off. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife. Now this is the, the place of God intervention. God will raise up an intercessor for you. That's the first thing you need to know about people of wisdom. They pray first. This ain't no time to go get Babe Run them and Bebe's cousins and her kids and Amen and Shoddy and Oh yeah, oh yeah. We can't get shoddy because he in the joint still. Oh yeah, we would have got shoddy, but he in the joint. This ain't no time to go and get them rough. Nah. <laughs> it's a time to, if you. This is a time to get ain't so and so that everybody's scared of. They are ultimately afraid of her and hate her because she lives for God. And every time you're around her, you scare because you get the impression she can see straight through you. That's who you call. Who you going to call? Huh? Call the devil busters. Amen. <laughs> it's usually a woman somewhere minding her own business. It happened to fall on her ears that troubles up. Everybody else is stirred up and angry and upset, and she just is calm and peaceful. It don't say anywhere Abigail got upset. She feared for her life. Huh? If you ask me, this young man who's going to Abigail because he can approach her is probably another peacemaker just like herself. Huh? Because I got a feeling Abigail's wise enough, she don't let them hotheads around her. She don't let them complainers around her. She doesn't let them exaggerators around her. And she knows how to listen with wisdom and people who are not wise pretty much probably stay away from her. 
But the other thing you need to know is this ain't Abigail's first rodeo with this crazy man she married to. She done been here before. You know why? Because she manages it too well. So you don't want somebody that puts out a card and calls himself an intercessor. You want to find the one God tells you to go to for your prayers. You got me? (laughs) So verse 14, one of the young men told Abigail, uh, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers. He tells a whole story. But the men were very good to us. He said, we weren't hurt. We didn't miss anything. This is verse 15. As long as we were with them, we were in the fields, and they were a wall to us both by night and day. All the while we were with them keeping the sheep. In other words, these people, we could go to sleep around and wake up in the morning. He said, now therefore, know and consider what you will do. For evil is determined against our master and against his household. For he is such a wicked man, as far as the servants allowed to go. And Abigail made haste and took provision. She takes an offering. She goes in humility and she takes a peace offering to complete the covenant of peace that David is trying to make with her and her household. Bible says, don't be forgetful to entertain strangers. Why? Because thereby some have entertained angels unawares. You have to be careful how you treat people you don't know nothing about. You don't know their credentials in God. You don't know who they are by the Spirit. You, you know, just, just learn to be peaceful, respectful, with everybody, no matter their rank, no matter their standing. That person may rise up one day to be a great person and remember your kindness to them. You think you don't need people? You got another thought coming. You need people. You need to build bridges and not tear them down and not burn them down. You got to have a way back in case you make a wrong turn can't afford to offend anybody you're not getting away with anything so david hmm, it's pretty much made up in his mind what's going to happen here he planted off in his mind what they're going to do because nabal while refusing him has declared david his enemy Amen. amen so david's nick of time answer is on the way amen Had David not spared Nabal, he would have had innocent blood on his hands before he assumed the kingship. Would have disqualified him. You got me? Because here's a man that could have been spared, but he could have been shown mercy. But he was not shown mercy. He would have been shown wrath. Why? Because David's ticked off. Many of us get in more trouble moving in anger than we would if we just sat down and shut our mouths and meditate on something better (laughs) meditate on a better day meditate on something that god's going to do i can remember times i would get so angry at my husband i'd go in the kitchen and be playing with you know how remember we used to play chubby with a knife and a dirt throwing it (laughs) 
where you throw, throw a knife up and see if the, it'll land in the dirt, if the blade will land. I'm in there playing chubby with the butcher knife. That poor man never would have got saved if I had stayed in my flesh. You understand what I'm saying? I thank God for people I knew back in the day would call me. Poor Jan, I tell this testimony on her all. Jan, uh, what was Jan's last name? Johnson in Cleveland. And she just sits there and like, Bob, you know you're telling the truth, girl. <laughs> Jan would always call me in the nick of time and pray for me. <laughs> Bob, you just got to calm down now. He going to get saved. I said, he better or he's a dead man. <laughs> and that ain't a prophecy. I'm just thinking out loud. <laughs> so you need the nick of time rescue from God. You understand what I'm saying? You can experience that over and over and over again. So God's nick of time answer for David comes in the person of Abigail. So God uses her to soften David's heart because he looks at her as a woman who is valuable. Amen. After she comes and presents herself to him. He's killed women before. You know, they go to cities, kill women and children and men and take all the loot and keep moving. So that's nothing to him to kill a woman. But God knows how to present someone to you in such a way that you're able to show wisdom and you're able to show mercy. And so she got all this stuff together and she said to her servants, verse 19, go on before me. Behold, I'm coming after you. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal. Now, people say things like, well, she's not in submission. She's not doing this. She's not doing that. I always look at it this way. If God don't give you an unction to speak, don't speak. I'm going to say it again. Because, see, people don't, they misunderstand some concepts. Instead of getting understanding of it and understand what God is doing, you know, we misunderstand some concepts and we want to go, uh, like a legal route, you know, just the just the letter of the law and not the wisdom of the spirit behind the law. You got me? If she'd have told that crazy husband of hers, they'd have all been dead meat, and she knows it. She probably even been in situations where she tried to reason with him and tell him something. You can't reason with a nut. You understand me? That's like trying to telling giving a drug addict your ATM card. You feed them a little fire, they get carried away with that kind of stuff. If she'd have told him, there would have been a retaliation fight, right? Everybody would have died that day. They were outnumbered, and she knew it. So she said, I'm going to ponder this in my heart, keep this between me and God, and keep it moving. And that's what she did. And so she came down there, and it says, uh, she told verse 19, She didn't tell her husband, told the servants to go before me. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her and she met them. That just reminds me of something. David didn't been here before. This is how he got started. Remember he came to the battle 
And they're the nation of Israel's on one side and Goliath is on the other side and they're getting ready to get it on. It's a warfare situation. Here we got opposing teams coming against one another. So this is a, a war movement where David is approaching her and she's approaching him. And David said in verse 20, sorry, in verse 20, it was so as she rode on and she came down and he stood against her. Verse 21, David had said, now he had already made up his mind about this. He said, now look, I could have killed this man, everything, taken everything he got, but I tried to be nice. (laughs) Just like me playing chubby in the kitchen. With the kitchen knife. I'm trying to be nice. God. It's not working too good. Why? Because your mind is filled with what you can do and get this over with. I don't need this nice stuff. I don't need to be polite. I don't need to show love. I just need to get what I need and keep moving. Huh? This guy is a nothing and a nobody, and I've been anointed king. Hello? Mm-hmm. Going to get my robe pretty soon. Prove it to everybody. No? Yeah. You're proving how kingly you are. Kings have to know how to spare the innocent. Not always extract vengeance, but know how to show mercy. So this is David's mercy teaching. Amen. So he says, I was going to kill everybody, every man that was here today. He says, because they repaid me evil for my good. Verse 22. So and more also do God to the enemies of David if I leave any of them by morning. So he's sworn an oath within himself. Amen. He's vowed they either take his life or God, you kill me. When Abigail saw David, she hastened and got down off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let this iniquity be and let your handmaiden speak in your audience and hear the words of your handmaiden. She says, let not my Lord, I pray you, regard this man, this evil man, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. So this man is really not worth your trouble, David. Now David already knows the guy is worthless and he's going to prove it by killing him. But she said he is so worthless. He's not even worth your taking your time with him. See, that's wisdom. It overrides natural wisdom. Overrides. You know, the Bible says, agree with your adversary quickly while you're in the way with him. If she had come to David and said, oh, spare him. He's a good man. David said, really? (laughs) He's going to be good and dead in a minute. But she admits the truth. She said, he's been trouble ever since. I don't know how I married him. Be honest with you. This was an arranged marriage. I didn't meet the dude before. I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> married at first sight or something like that. When people get into it. 
or he got fell and hit his head or something one day, and he ain't been the same ever since. You understand what I'm saying? But she learns how to agree with him that, that you are being set up, David, for failure by this man, and it's not worth it for you to get involved here. So God sends peacemakers into our lives when we need it. Mm-hmm. David is feeling powerful. He's surrounded by all these men, and in a way, he may feel like he has to prove himself to his men that are following him. What are they going to say when they see you back down and choose peace instead of getting vengeance? They're going to try to put you down and disrespect you, too. You've got to do this, David. You can't keep a hold on these men if they don't respect you. So God is faithful even when we are faithless. And he serves, he sends Abigail to the rescue. Abigail and her servant are instruments of peace. It's always good to have peaceful people around you, not people who always want to stir you up and tell you what other people are saying about you behind your back. You got me? Need people of peace. Abigail prepares a peace offering, and she risks her life to keep the peace. And she is also carrying the word of the Lord. And that's what David needs more than anything. When you're in trouble and your back is against the wall, you need a word from God. You don't need to take matters into your own hands. You don't need vengeance. You don't need goods and all this kind of stuff. You need a word from God. Abigail's done this before. She understands how to seek God. That's how they've lived as long as they have and prospered as much as they have. Amen? You know, somehow men, when they're married to women who know how to pray, they know how, just how far to go. You understand what I'm saying? I can remember times my late husband, he'd say something, and then he'd come back later, oh, oh baby, I didn't mean that. And I just look at him. No, I'd, I'd accept the apology. All right. So David makes a decision to avenge himself in verses 21 and 22 and his men because someone has done them wrong and he is tired of taking crap from everybody i take crap from saul i gotta take crap from this guy i'm not doing it said nabal is a nothing and a nobody and he deserves to die but somehow david gets caught in a place of decision and reversal of decision I don't care how much you have determined to do evil. God can step in and turn your mind and your heart around and cause you to repent and do good. And that's just not for us righteous, but it's for everybody else too. I don't care how much evil is determined against us. God can cause anybody to change his mind. So Abigail apologizes to David and makes a peace offering just in the nick of time. In fact, she becomes the offering. Because she puts herself in harm's way so that she can cause the rescue of many souls in this thing. Amen. This is her training for greatness as well. She's been married to this crazy man for all this time, being loyal to her husband. 
You don't see her trying to run off with anybody. You don't see her trying to stir things up to get somebody to murder the man for her. She's making peace with him, and she's making peace with David. That's wisdom. Let God handle it. Amen? In verse 26, you see the spirit shift from a spirit of anger and strife and warfare So this woman has enough power with God to command a change in the atmosphere. Amen? Because she goes from apologizing to prophesying. That ain't easy to do. Huh? It's not. One minute you're pleading for you, and the next minute the Spirit of God has caught you up, and you're speaking the word of the Lord to someone. And so she begins to prophesy to David. David recognizes something familiar with her words, and that is the word of the Lord and the Spirit of God. Something he may have, you've know, got to understand the, the atmosphere that's, that's created around Israel now with the death of Samuel. Samuel had sons that didn't want to serve God. There's nobody really taking his place that is dedicated and strong in God like he is. But you know, God raises up people himself wherever he wants. There's probably plenty Samuels out there if you want to go out and find them. Why? Because God's kingdom is ever increasing. So David's not expecting the word of the Lord to come. He's used to living on his own. There's no priest out there with him that he can consult and, and inquire of the Lord with. He's just on his own. So he little expects God to come through for him, but God will raise up somebody to give you a word. He he can speak through your children. There's sometimes you'll be all wound up and nervous and upset about something, and one of your kids will come up to you and tell you something that will settle you down. Why? Because God raises up who he wants to raise up. He'll come to you just in the nick of time to avert disaster, certain disaster in your life. So the spirit of prophecy comes upon her, and David recognizes the word of the Lord. And his heart begins to melt. His heart begins to change. God knows exactly what to say to us, when, through whom, so that we will get encouragement, we will get strengthening, and we can turn ourselves around and avert disaster. And she tells him this. She says, verse 27, Now this blessing which your handmaid has brought to my Lord, let it even be given to the young men that follow you. I pray you forgive this trespass of your handmaid. She takes the blame herself. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Now she's telling him stuff that only God knows about him. See, this will get you every single time. This isn't somebody... That's trying to butter you up. And this isn't a personal objective. This is a kingdom thing here. It was never personal for Abigail. You know why? Look at who she's married to. You think she's in for anything personally? If she wanted something for herself, she'd have been gone a long time. Huh? Or set this brother up to die or let somebody kill him. I mean, come on now. She's had opportunities, I'm sure of it. But she decides to stay true to God. Some people honor their vows above their comfort. 
I know that ain't popular in some places, but they do. Huh? You don't ever know what's going to befall somebody. Yeah, I've seen people that dump people, and then after those people die, they worry every day, did they get saved? And they never quit talking about it. You understand? Well, I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that on my record. You understand me? Didn't want it on my record. Forgive me for what want what I think God thinks is important. I'd rather see somebody get saved and get into heaven than to say God's got something better for me and never find it. That better for you is a new spirit in that person that you're married to. So the spirit of prophecy comes upon Abigail. This ain't the first time. You know, if you're in a bad marriage, you talk to the Lord a lot. That was kind of weak. Who who y'all talking to? (laughs) She says, verse 29, she said, that the Lord, she says here in verse 28, I pray forgive the trespass of your handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. I'm sure David's ears prick up. He said, what's she talking about? How'd she know? Where'd she hear that before? Because the Lord fights the battles of the Lord. She said, you fight for God. And God has not found evil in you in all your days. Really? After the stuff I've done, you mean God does not know? God understands what you've been doing was for survival. God understands that you're forgiven. Every time you make an offering to God, you are forgiven. You understand? He understands all that. She says, there's no evil in you, David. She says, yet a man has risen to pursue you and to seek your soul. Knows about him and Saul. But she says, you're different from him. She says, your soul is bound in the bundle of life with the Lord your God. And the souls of your enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. Now, how'd she know that? Hmm? That's something that's very familiar to David because how'd he kill Goliath? With a slingshot. And she says that your soul is bundled with God in the bundle of life. In other words. God has designated you for life and not death. Now I got it. I turned it off with my hand, Marcel. Sorry. And so she says, you're, you're slated for good things. She said, don't throw it away with one act of vengeance. Stay in the bundle of life with the Lord. And everybody who opposes you, God's going to sling them out like out from the middle of a slingshot. But you're in the bundle of life. They had, they would, would, uh, when people would, would uh, travel, they remember the, Jesus told them, take neither purse nor script. The purse was, was kept things pertaining to life. It kept your money in there, kept food in there. Kept, that was the bundle of life that they carried on their hip. The other bundle was weapons with a slingshot. You had rocks in there that you could hurl at somebody. 
But David was kept by God in the bundle of life. He wasn't in the bundle of discard to be slung out somewhere. She says, you just wait, David. Saul's going to get his day. He's going to get slung out because he's not in the bundle of life with the Lord. And so she says, he said, and she said, and it will come to pass when you have done to when the Lord shall have done to you according to all the good that he's spoken concerning you and shall have appointed you ruler over Israel that this shall be no grief to you in other words don't look at you like you are now look at yourself sitting on the throne look at yourself in full power look at yourself in dominion look at yourself elevated see yourself like a king right now David Instead of seeing yourself as a beggar and somebody who doesn't have a country and you're a vagabond and you don't know where you're going to lay your head tonight, don't see yourself that way. A good woman will elevate a man. You understand what I'm saying? Not putting down all the time, not trying to correct them all the time and trying to give them grief. Sometimes a man will look at you and wonder how he got what he could get. That's, that's what you're supposed to bring to a man's life. Be always giving him the stink eye. Meet me in the back. Something for you. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean. Sisters can get rough sometimes. But we repent. Oopsie. We fall down, but we can't. <laughs> That's wrong. We don't fall down and get up. <laughs> God gets you up. You get yourself up, you might do it again. You stay down until God gets you up. <laughs> you got to get blood washed on the way up, buddy. God always sends help and encouragement where we're about to give in to the devil. Just in the nick of time. She says, see yourself on the throne already. Because when you get there, you're going to look at this as a small thing. You're going to see it was not worth giving away everything for. And he says, she says, and she said, this will be no grief to you in verse 31, nor offense of heart to you, either that you have shed uh, blood causeless or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with you, then remember your handmaid. That's all. He'll be the king and she wants, wants him to know that when you get in the position you're supposed to be in, I want to be remembered by you. Amen. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which has sent you this day to meet me. Just in the nick of time, Abigail, you made it here. And blessed is your advice. And blessed are you, which have kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with my own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, which has kept me back from hurting you, except you had hasted and come down to meet me, surely there would have not been anything left here by the morning light of any of the men here. 
So David received of her hand that which she brought here. He receives the peace offering. So that ends all strife. And said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I have hearkened to your voice and have accepted you. And Abigail came to Nabal, and he was holding a feast in the house like the feast of a king. You know, people who who are like him, evil people, feel good when they get to tell somebody, put somebody in their place, uh, have a party. Ooh, I told him off. I got him straight. Yeah, David, the king, you know what I got? Mm-hmm, I told him, I sent him packing. He doesn't know he's a dead man. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of him, Abigail got released by God to tell Nabal what happened. She told him all these things, and he had a stroke. He stroked out. So he became like a stone. So if you become like a stone, stones what? Don't talk, don't eat, don't move. He's a dead man laying right there. He lasted for ten days. Amen. When David and it, it, it came to pass ten days after the Lord killed him and he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Hmm, blessed be the Lord. Again. Blessed be the Lord. He is worthy to be praised and adored. Huh? He sang a song. He said, The Lord pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and kept his servant from evil. The Lord has returned the wickedness of him upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail at Carmel, they spoke to her. David sent for us to bring you as his wife. And she arose, bowed herself on her face on the earth and said, you know what? I don't need it. Listen, I've done ten years with this dude. Oh, you can laugh. Come on now. Jeez. Take everything so serious. She said, I've been married. Just let me wash feet. Let me, you know, cook something. Let me take care of folks. I don't have to be nobody's, you know what I'm saying. I don't have to be no queen. No. Just a handmaiden. A handmaiden is not the worst job in the world. In fact, it's a pretty good job. She's alive. She's well. She's living in the house. Amen. And so they, she told David, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. But he can't wait. He sends for her right away. Huh? This was God's doing. See, she asked for less and got more. Now, that's wisdom. Huh? She says, just let your handmaiden be a servant to wash the feet of, you know, all the men and stuff. She said, I'll take care of y'all when y'all come in the house and all that kind of stuff. No, Abigail, because of your faithfulness to stay in a bad marriage, because you made a vow. Huh? Many of them get better. I had a bad marriage that got better. After it got better, I I realized I was half the fault in the bad marriage. Not always the other guy. 
You got me? And so we all have to do our part, folks. But once you do your part, there is the reward of God. My encouragement to you is to know that God is raising up peacemakers to help us out in our time of distress. Learn how to recognize them. Because many times peacemakers, when they come with the word of the Lord, you're offended by God's word. See, David could have thrown that whole thing away if he hadn't recognized some things that God was speaking to him and he's